with that, I wanted to use this last part of the show to kind of cover what we were talking about earlier on strategies and things that we're implementing, things that, you know, how you need to be looking at real estate to prepare for this, um, whatever comes down the line and to prepare for the current market. So first off, let's talk about wholesalers. Wholesalers right now, you need to be adjusting your model from, you know, the homeowner wants a certain price, you're contracted because you're going to get a buyer. That's no longer the case. We're seeing wholesalers right now fall out of contract because they contracted way too high. You understand? So what you need to do is find yourself a stable list of buyers that you can count on, you can depend on, like real, actual buyers. And most of these are going to be your buy and hold buyers. Most of the investors that are going to stick out through whatever happens are always going to be your buy and hold buyers. So you need to build yourself a nice list of buy and hold investors that you know what their criterias are, you know where they're looking to buy, what kind of cash flow they want, all the numbers. So then when you're negotiating, you're not wasting sellers' times and you're actually getting properties that you're going to be able to sell. Another thing that we've, uh, we're looking at is there, the key to getting a lot of deals, it's going to be in the follow-up. We, again, you're going to have a lot of wholesalers that don't watch our show and they are not going to make these moves. That's why they suck. And yeah, and then they're going to, and, and I'm the bad John and I'm the bad John. Nice. Like I said, it's all in delivery. Yeah. I smile when oh. I give you bad news. So, okay. I'll smile when I, when yeah, I your call you stupid. Looks, your, your smile's forced. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, uh, you, you look at these wholesalers that they're not adjusting their, the way they're investing. They're the way they're making their offers. So we submit our offer and they're saying, oh, I got a much higher offer. Okay. We'll follow up because when we follow up a month or two from now, that wholesaler couldn't deliver. So now this seller is getting even more desperate and they're realizing that their home really wasn't worth what that person offered. And they start coming back to us again. It's happened already. People are coming back and they're saying, hey, is your offer still good? You understand? So following up, it's not just, oh, you submit an offer, they declined it, and now you're just stepping out. You know, it's like, all right, well, they don't want, the, they didn't want the price or whatever it is. So, you know, this is a dead deal. No, it's not a dead deal. In this market, the chances of somebody's going to be able to close for that much higher than you is going to be very, very low. You understand? So you still have a shot if you hang in there and if you take the time to educate them. Now, on the flipping side, what we talked about earlier, you got to do good renovations. Any renovation that you do, make sure you're doing quality. Quality rehab, putting good products in there, putting a good product out on the market. You know, you might have to go back to staging homes, taking really good professional pictures. There's no more of this hoteling stuff. You know, we're seeing less and less of that. Like, you're going to have to take down a house and actually do a good renovation and not cut corners. I wanted to cover real quick that case study, <laughs> pretty much, of that investor that reached out to us wanting to sell a package deal. Of those three houses. No. Oh. And what what was the combined value of all three houses that they were trying to sell? Was it like six and change? Yeah. Because they were oh, all so in the 200s, you, so right? Like the, F, the, the ARV, like retail fixed up What, what, what they were listed for, because they were all listed. Weren't they all listed uh, for like 200 and change? Yeah, I want to say it was it was around that or something like that. So... Um, yeah, so it was like high fives, low sixes, something like that when you looked at it. But it was, it was listed like they were under market value, 
but not by much. Yeah. And two of the three had massive foundation problems. Yep. Tens of thousands of dollars, including plumbing that would be in there. And they and they were only listed like twenty grand below what the retail value was when they were fixed up. And when we went They were looked, rehabbed. They were they rehabbed. They were not rehabbed. Okay. No, no they, they were they, they were rehabbed. They weren't properly rehabbed, but yeah. they were rehabbed. And it's one of those things like I even mentioned it to him. I was like, God, I wish they when I see things like this, I wish they just wouldn't even have tried to rehab it because now they want to get a return on their investment. And I can't give them return investment because I got to redo everything that they just did. It, it was that bad. Yeah. And went and looked at all three houses and I told him like, dude, we're going to be low. We're going to be low. We're going to be low. And I shot him an offer price. He's like, oh, is that just for those two houses? Like, <laughs> no, that's all three, bud. Like every one of these houses needs to be completely redone. Like it was so shitty of the work that was done. And, uh, yeah, you're somebody, talking about four inch foundation drops, five inch foundation drops. We gotta, we gotta and, do all the flooring. That's going to create massive cracks and everything in the walls that was sheetrock patches and stuff. They did were well, uh, when they scraped the popcorn ceiling, they didn't even take it all over the edge. So like yeah. the entire perimeter of the house still had popcorn that was just painted over. Yeah. It was like, dude, these like, I got to put out a good product now. Like the market is not what it was six months ago. Yeah. And like Alicia just told me, it's like, oh, they did a price drop of five grand. I was like, Ooh, they better boy. keep dropping. And like where two of the houses were, were not nice areas. No, no, they weren't. At all. And I was just like, dude, I'll give you an offer. But like, I don't want to, I'll give you the offer. Like, I don't want to take this on, but I'll take it on at that price. Yeah. Because it goes like, oh, they, he's ready to offload them. He'll let them go in a package deal. It's like, they're trash houses. Yeah. Completely trash houses. Yeah, even the cabinets they chose, we had to, you know, all, all the cabinets needed to be redone. The vanities, I mean, they, they must have had like a blind guy with a hacksaw cutting the back of the vanity to fit the plumbing. That that thing looked like it, it, like somebody grabbed it with their teeth. It was like ripping out the back panel of the vanity to fit the plumbing in. Usually you cut nice, clean squares. This thing was splintered, broken, brand new vanities. That's like, you can't even fix this. You got to throw this vanity out, put new vanities in. The tile, oh. the, the grout job, everything was just... And it was the type of person that insane. Larry Roberts puts in there. I suspect those rehabbers will be dropping out of the market soon, and I oh, agree. Yeah. And it's like, when you look at the deed records, they were bought in like 2020, 2021, and tried to rent them out for a year, get the cheapest of the cheap, cheap, cheap contractor to do the work and to make their profit margins bigger, and now they're trying to sell on the open on the open market... And it's like, sorry, bud, the open market's and, not paying for and that's crap the like issue. that anymore. You're trying to sell retail, but a retail buyer, you're going to get what? FHA, VA? That especially shit is two, not going to qualify for financing. Like, the two houses, like, they were like, ugh. And they're like, that is going to be an FHA area. But, like, you got to have it still look nice. And they both needed foundation issues. Both had plumbing problems. And it's like the values were, they were, and that's also something we've started doing is, like, we used to run comps on a six-month back date. Yeah. Well, I was going to get to that. Yep. And like, we're saying like, no, there was such a massive market shift in April and May that we're only running three, uh, three month yeah. comps now, because if you try to go back six months, it, it's like, yes, prices were high, but now there's ones that are lower and everyone jumps to the, has a tendency when they don't understand market and they just try to do things quick and not understand how this business works. They just go, Oh, I run my comp six months back. Highest price homes. I want to do those. Look at the sales price of those. When did that house contract and, and sell? And six months ago, that was February. Yeah. So this thing sold in February. What market were we in in February? Even February, March, April, they were May. You were still getting ultra high prices because there was still massive amount of competition. You get low low amounts. Mm -hmm. But now you have the problem where interest rates spiked through the roof and inventory went lower. Because when you look at appraisals, when you actually study and not just look at the money, how does it determine? How's an appraisal determined? 
They look at the most recent house in the closest proximity. So now when you got four houses that have sold in June and July, they're not going to use the houses that sold in February, March, and April. They're going to take that lower price. So I did that in my analysis and prices dropped. And that's what we based it off of. He's like, he never even responded when I told him it's for all three houses. But it's just like, you got to look at it that way. And if you're just a fly-by-night, quick investor, looking after the money, a realtor or or investor, that's where you're going to get hurt. And And I hope you do. And that's definitely, I I think this investor is for sure uh, definitely a new investor. And he decided to jump on three big-ass projects all at once because the market was hot. It's like, guys, that, that's the problem with speculating. When you speculate, the market is going to smack you down. And we were we were even doing the three months of uh, looking at comps even back last year. But we were using it in reverse because we were seeing that and how prices kept going up. So when we were getting ready to price a home to sell, to buy, we were always conservative. We always go for the conservative number. To sell, we don't mind pushing. Because we know that if anything goes wrong, we have our conservative number that it still makes sense. But we were looking at what what's the most active properties? What are we seeing? Are the prices going up? Are people selling for higher? Now, we're using that same strategy, but to see in the complete reverse where houses are dropping. Houses are selling for less. So we're looking at like the most recent solds, the most recent actives. Because those or are going to be pending our, sales. Yeah. It's like, I'm calling like, hey... Are you guys over asking price? Yes, we're over asking price. How much? Well, I, they won't tell you. It's like, yeah, but like, can you give me like a range? Are you just like five, 10, yeah. 20? Like knowing where that house is going to close. So like we were having to call and do research above. Cause yeah, we go to the highest price sold, use the most recent. And then you have pending ones in there. It's like, I want to see what their offers were except that. Cause it's pending, which means they're through option. They put real money into this house now. Yep. It's like the likelihood of that closing. But now you got to go backwards the other direction and people that have come into this market it's pulled into this market the last several years they don't know how to do that no or if they were just wholesaling they don't care they don't understand that stuff yeah so, so. it's definitely as a flipper as a rehabber you got to pay attention to those numbers you got to run your numbers look at the comps look at the comps definitely in the last three months in the last two months in the last month look at those numbers because that's what is going to ma- matter when you put your property on the market if something for whatever reason changes and prices are higher, then great, you made more money. But if they keep dropping, you're going to be stuck in a really bad position. And now for buy and hold. Buy and hold, we we are switching our strategy up a little bit where before uh, the last couple of years, we were really pushing rents because we just could. It got to a point where we weren't even running comps for the rents because the comps weren't accurate. Like it was, it was something that you look at the comps and the comps, if you're watching for the first time, are comparables. You know, what are houses that are comparable to this one renting or selling for? So the comps, we were running for rentals, like we would see 1600 but we would put the house on the market for 18 1850 Well, that's just the issue. Like you can't run comps. There is no place you can run solid rental comps anymore mm-hmm. because the process to list something on the MLS is so terrible and it costs money, takes time. It's, it's worthless. We list everything through Zillow and all the and more non-property manager style people that own property all list through Zillow. And Zillow does not tell you what something rented for. Yeah. So you're you're never gonna know. So it's very you just almost have to be in the market and talk to people like, what are you getting? What do you what's happening? But uh to your point, I know I think I know where you're going with the rents now. We're switching mm-hmm. strategies on that. But uh I'll let you go with that. But it's also it's very hard to run comps now. 
So yeah, well, and so what we're trying to do now, just because of the uncertainty in the market, the uncertainty with employment, with what's going on with inflation and everything, is we're no longer pushing rents. Like if we feel that the market rent is probably, you know, let's say seventeen hundred, we're not gonna go higher than that. We'll probably go a little bit lower than that. Yeah, we will. Because what we want to do is find a tenant that's gonna be reliable, that no matter what happens. We know they're going to be in that house come six months from now, come a year from now. So we're looking at their jobs, at their income, because we started seeing that a lot, even in, in apartments, that people are getting almost co-signers because they weren't making the three times rent. So they're like, all right, you're making two and a half times rent, but if you have a co-signer, then you can buy, get this apartment. And I'm like, holy shit, like, <laughs> this is crazy. They're, you're pretty much saying like, because they say three times rent is what they're looking for because in theory, with three times rent, you should be able to afford your rent and yeah. all your other bills. The problem is most Americans have a lot more expenses well, it's, that's the problem than two thirds. When people focus only on the money. Yeah. And it's like, I need to get my returns. I need to drive rents. Rents can do it. Rents can do it. Rents can do it. The only problem is you're going to realize like when you start doing that and cutting your criteria, your evictions are going to go up. Yeah. Your delinquencies are going to go up. Your uh, it, It's just going to become much harder to rent the house. Your repairs are going to go up because you've got less quality tenants. are going to damage your property more. And it's like that's the issue you're going to have. When you drive, you buy high prices, you want to buy and hold, and you try to push the rents to get even higher, and then the quality person you're not going to be able to find. So that's what we're doing. It's like we're dropping prices where it might rent for $1,700. we are going to go for $1,600. Cause one, we bought it at a time where our mortgage is low enough where we can we have that margin to drop. And we understand that I get a better tenant in there. I will pre-screen that tenant a lot more yeah. to know, like, do you have the cash to float? You're not one car payment away or one breakdown away, flat tire car repair from missing rent. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've done that twice this last year where it's just like, dude, I don't care anymore. Like, I want my rental portfolio to be as hands-off as possible. And that comes from the tenant. Not just from the house, because we've already put a good quality product out there. Now I want a quality tenant. Well, I will gladly take twelve hundred less over the course of twelve months to not and to get a better. So, tenant. so we have a a little bit. Uh, so let me put the final point, and then I want to hit a, a, a question that I heard uh, recently. So the final point on this is you made an excellent point there, where it's like you should not get into an investment and. The only way it's going to make sense if the market pulls you out, right? That's like, I need to get this price in order for this house to make sense. I need to get a higher rent in order for this uh, rental to make sense. If it doesn't, you make that deal make sense when you buy. If it doesn't make sense when you buy and you're hoping it's going to make sense when you sell, my goodness, are you gambling? Like you are really hoping well, for the I best heard, there. Uh, yeah. McElroy talking about this the other day. He's like, I see so many syndicators out there. Oh yeah, only syndicating huh. to get the fees. Yeah, he's like, when you, it's like when you look at their numbers, they have no like experience. With the, with the interest, no, no, not experience. It's just like with the interest rates and the cap rates and everything. He's like, the deal that they're carrying costs won't even let them hit their cap rates. Like they're doing it for the fees because they get massive acquisitions fees and it's an easy industry to sell and raise money right now. Yeah. So it's like you look at syndicators and you have to watch that. It's like, are they raising money just to get the fees? Like, because yep. they can they can make anything look pretty on a spreadsheet. That's easy to do. Yeah. But when you look and understand the things that we just mentioned about higher costs, higher rents, higher turnovers, like those things are very expensive. And then you have vacancies on top of that. Like, 
So I'm sorry. It's very, and it's also you can't really go after a tenant. You can put a judgment against them and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah. good luck good, somebody good luck that's collecting. renting something like yeah. that being able to collect because they're never going to own an asset. You're going to be able to collect. It's from. the same when I hear investors say, you know, oh, you know, if this contractor screws me, I'm going to sue them. I'm like, okay, yeah, good luck with that, buddy. Let's see what you're going to get from that contractor. Um, but you brought up Ken McElroy. He has an excellent podcast. I recommend everybody check out. Um, not instead of ours. That's on top of ours. You should check that one out. <laughs> and, uh, but he was talking about how what he's seeing because they, they they do apartment apartment buildings and all that. They he holds like I don't know over ten thousand doors, whatever he holds. And one of the trends that he's seeing is that on his three twos, four twos, all of these, he's getting application for essentially couples that are moving in together, like sets of couples yeah. right so you're having a guy and his girl and another guy and his girl or girl girl, guy, 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 girl. whatever whatever genders two stop two talking, stop talking okay so you let me move on Brian, <laughs> start offending youtube's gonna shut Keep, us stop out. talking okay? go okay God. so <laughs> they have different but what what i'm trying to get to is that they're not all family right they're they're friends whatever it is they're all moving together and pretty much essentially trying to rent out by the room because that's the only way they're going to be able to afford these rents these places these houses so they are looking for bigger properties bigger homes that they can move in with multiple people to make it more affordable so that was very interesting so as an owner of rental properties would you allow that on your properties 100%. Yep. It's one of the things like, I mean, it's hard to do. It's like, what is the status of their relationship? It's like, oh, I don't want them to break up and they move. Because some people you gotta say, check I on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would 100% because like, I, we've, mm, I'm trying to think if we've had somebody like that. I know we've had two friends move in together and both had separate jobs. And, and we had that like, family with the mom and she was supposed to be getting a job. Yeah, but I mean, we have had that where it's like multiple people moving with multiple income streams, and like I would definitely do that. It's like, hey, you you have a couple, cup two couples moving in, you have four incomes there. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can well afford my house. To where if something goes wrong, you guys are on the leases, and you nobody wants the eviction on there because no. like that's the biggest thing you can hold over somebody's head is an eviction. Because once that hits their record, now anything they go try to rent, they're going to see an eviction, yep. and that's going to be hard to rent something. It's not the money. Uh, that you're going to recruit, but that eviction is what you can hold over somebody. Uh, to where no, all, all four of them do not want an eviction now. If something doesn't work, it's like, hey, you're all on this. You guys need to figure this out. So I would definitely rent to more than one family. And, and this goes back to a point, again, if I haven't said it enough, <laughs> education. Like listening to these other podcasts, listening to what other people are doing, it's going to give you ideas and things of what other people that maybe have more volume than what you're doing are doing to adjust for these things and give you ideas on how to manage it, how to run it, how to make it work to your benefit. Um, there's always a way, always, always a way to make money in any market, but it requires financial education. It requires knowledge to do it. So invest in that, spend time learning, Reach out to people in your area that are doing it, that are doing it right, um, and build those connections, build those networks. 